a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. Hello and welcome to our special program tracking China's growth in 2023. And today we will take a comprehensive look at China's economy in 2023 and examine how the world's second largest economy successfully navigated global uncertainties. In the era of artificial intelligence, we will showcase how China has maintained resilience and embraced openness in a forward-thinking manner. Get ready for an exciting show as we explore how China's economy is propelled by new productive forces and the aspirations of its people for a better quality of life. Chinese authorities unveiled key economic data for 2023 earlier today, which revealed that China's gross domestic product expanded by 5.2% to 126.06 trillion yuan. That's about 17.52 trillion US dollars. Now, the growth aligns with preset annual goals of approximately 5%. Notably, major sectors witnessed a steady recovery with both the industrial and service industries experiencing growth rates of 4.7% and 5.8% respectively, surpassing the agricultural industry. Besides, the Chinese economy also exhibited robust quarterly growth with four-year growth rate matching the fourth quarter growth of 5.2% on the year. Industrial output witnessed a 4.6% year-on-year increase while equipment manufacturing experienced an even more significant rise of 6.8%. China's commitment to green development is evident in the notable growth of solar cell and new energy battery production. Moreover, fixed asset investment, a measure encompassing infrastructure, property, machinery and equipment expenditures saw a 3% rise in 2023. High-tech industries captured attention with a remarkable 10% increase in investment, outpacing other sectors. And among these, the aircraft and spacecraft industry in commercialization of scientific and technological achievements and e-commerce services showcased exceptional economic performance. New productive forces emerged as one of the top 10 Chinese buzzwords of 2023, representing a transformative process that generates novel industries and innovative drivers through disruptive technologies. And now for more discussions on China's economic growth in 2023, let's bring in Mr. Xu Sitao, Chief Economist at Deloitte China. Mr. Xu, great to have you on the show. So we're looking at a 5.2% growth, uh, which is largely in line with market expectations. But what does this figure reveal about overall Raw economic landscape in China, and can we infer, let's say, any specific trends or challenges from this growth rate? Uh, first of all, I think 5.2 uh, is a very strong number. It's actually exceeded uh, market expectations and reinforced with some of the evidence we have seen in terms of economic stabilization. Uh, some of this uh, stabilization uh, were actually uh, featured in an earlier program, for example, travel related activities. Um, now, the way we see that is 2024, um, there will be uh, just continuing recovery provided necessary policy support, for example, using interest rates, fiscal relief to local government and and, uh, and to consumers. So uh, we, we think it's going to be a range between 4.5 to 5% this year. Now challenges, uh, you know, really we, we, we shouldn't be complacent. Uh, one challenge is clearly um, uh, the potential drag uh, from the public sector, and the weakness is being felt uh, in SN market. Uh, in your earlier program, you talked about EV. Now, EV um, may trigger 
uh, protectionism, uh, for example, in euro market, that's also something we need to watch very closely. And also, uh, despite of the challenges being posed by a complex external environment, how do you think can China's manufacturing sector not only sustain its own growth, but also climb up the global value chain? What sort of strategies or initiatives can be implemented to enhance the overall competitiveness and value-added nature of China's manufacturing? Uh, I, I think for China's manufacturing sector, uh, two um, distinct uh, attributes. Uh, one is China's um, strong commitment uh, for going green, and this has been very evident. I, I think um, it's in China's best interest to take a more proactive role in that industry uh, uh, standard uh, in light of uh, the back trend of decarbonization. Uh, the other trend we are seeing is really digitalization. This is something I think China uh, has done much better than most manufacturing economies. Well, we know the Central Economic Work Conference emphasized the importance of new productivity boosters, and that's generated through technological breakthroughs. So in what specific ways can China improve its nationwide resource mobilization system and effectively support and promote technological innovation in key fields? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the big, I mean, the big question is uh, what sector will replace the role previously being uh, uh, taken by public sector. Uh, I think this, um, um, this is an ongoing process. Uh, it's very difficult to have a crystal ball. Um, but I think in general, um, I mean, things related to life science, um, uh, renewable energy, this is a few areas, I think clearly that's, that's going to happen. Um, but in order to form the critical mass, uh, I, I, think, um, um, I, I think we need, uh, we, we, we need a, more, uh, a bigger role from uh, uh, capital market. Well, when we look at fixed asset investment, that figure actually rose by 3% in 2023. I mean, that figure, of course, indicates ongoing expenditures in areas like infrastructure and property. And there has been, we all know, uh, there has been much concerns about the sustainability and, and, you know, which course of direction the property market will take. So what are the current trends and factors that, that's influencing the property market in China? Um, no, the number you have cited, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's, um, it's a decent number, <clears throat> but we also have to be mindful about the lagging effect because some of this project really started a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Now, the weakness of property market only became more apparent in recent months. So there will be a lagging effect. So that is why uh, we really want to stress the importance of policy support in 2024. Oh, great insights. And now let's zoom in on China's consumption trends in 2023. For that, we bring back Mr. Xu Zetao, Chief Economist at Deloitte China. Mr. Xu, so retail sales grew by 7.2% last year. Do you anticipate that consumption will continue to play a primary driver of growth in the coming year? Uh, consumption will uh, outperform overall uh, economic growth. So from that perspective, yes, the answer is yes. Um, but uh, consumption also to play even bigger role given part of the economy is like to contract. So for example, public sector and for example, sectors 
which are linked to construction. So therefore, it's very important for con- consumers even to step up more. And also, uh, we know that China's uh, automobile consumption market uh, experienced sustained growth momentum in the past year. And now we know that this industry is increasing its focus on clean technologies. Uh, what more policy incentives do you think will be needed uh, to provide further support for this sector? Um, no, actually, this sector probably doesn't need um, much support because this sector uh, already leading the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, potentially, there will be some contentious issues given China's sheer volume of exports in areas such like European Union. So, actually, in this sector, I, I don't think we need a lot of support. Um, but sector also has to go through consolidation because there are too many players and, and some of the companies clearly won't survive. But China already has a very, very strong um, ecosystem in electric vehicle um, uh, sector, which is something the rest of the world doesn't have. Right. And now let's uh, shift the gears to the catering sector. Uh, we know that catering witnessed a remarkable more than 20% growth in sales in 2023. <coughs> in the meantime, online sales revenue saw a 11% increase. Can you shed some light on the emerging consumption trends within these sectors? Um, well, this sector, uh, as you said, uh, online or you know, the partially cooked food, prepared, pre-prepared food, um, you know, the, you know, some of this trend, I think, would become more apparent in 2024. Uh, this sector is doing relatively well, but I would say this sector maybe needs a little bit more support because it's tied to consumption, tied to final Mr. Xu, so we've been talking about China's consumption upgrade. In your opinion, what are the main challenges that China's consumption upgrade is currently facing? Well, the the main challenge is really um, uh, ultimately consumption will be determined by both income and wealth. Uh, On the income side, I think that's relatively stable. Uh, But on the wealth side, uh, 2024 may see some continued challenges again, linked to public sector and stock market. Uh, for most Chinese consumers, um, real estate accounts for 70% of their total wealth. Right, great insights. Thank you so much, Mr. Xu Sitao, Chief Economist at Deloitte China for us. In 2023, China continued opening up its economy, aiming to share its economic achievements with the world. For example, a new pilot-free trade zone was launched, bringing the total number to 22. Pilot-free trade zones now contribute nearly 20% of China's total foreign trade. And next, we'll delve into the facts and figures of China's foreign trade performance in the past year. And I'm going to introduce to you a very special reporter, that is, a virtual version or an AI avatar of me. That's generated by, of course, artificial intelligence. And now, let's have AI Lily to take us through foreign trade 2023. China's foreign trade has defied odds, inching up 0.2% year-on-year to hit a staggering $5.94 trillion in 2023. Despite a challenging global economic landscape marked by high inflation and cost-of-living woes. For 2024, the 
Central Economic Work Conference underscores a bold strategy to stimulate trade and entice foreign investment. China is setting its sights on diversifying trade with plans to widen the scope of intermediate product trade, services trade, digital trade and e-commerce exports. The latest data paints a vibrant export economy with electromechanical products claiming nearly 59% of total exports, an uptick of 2.9% from the previous year to almost $2 trillion. Exports of the so-called new three electric passenger vehicles, lithium-ion batteries and solar cells soared by nearly 30%, totaling $147.8 billion U.S. dollars. In 2023, China's dealings with Belt and Road Initiative nations grew by 2.8% to $2.72 trillion, making up nearly half of the country's total trade. A notable rebound in trade in the fourth quarter was also observed with the European Union and the United States hitting $769.2 billion and $651.7 billion, respectively. Buoyed by significant breakthroughs in long-standing disputes over commodities like barley and wine, trade ties with Australia saw a healthy 9.8% growth in the first 11 months of last year. Amidst ongoing global economic fragility and snail-paced trade recovery, the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development forewarned a 5% slump in global trade in 2023. As we advance into 2024, it's crucial to recognize the uncertainty that lingers. Regardless, China remains steadfast in its journey towards economic expansion, leveraging its commitment to openness and international collaboration to steer economic and trade stability. Whether it's about your education, the home you live in, or the items you buy, your money has a story to tell because every business story is a human story. Global Business. In the meantime, in Davos, Switzerland, Chinese leaders and delegates are sending out positive messages on China's continued opening up. And for more on this, let's cross over to my colleague Zheng Junfeng, who's on the ground of the 2024 World Economic Forum. Hi there, Junfeng. So, Chinese Premier Li Chang gave a speech in Davos, Hi. highlighting the country's high quality opening up. And China saw stable growth in foreign trade in 2023. Tell us more about it. Right, Lily, yesterday I was so excited to be in the audience of Premier Li Chang's special dress at the World Economic Forum Davos, hosted by Klaus Schwab, the founder of WEF. And uh, uh, his presence here was after seven years of President Xi Jinping's uh, special dress at the World Economic Forum in Davos in 2017. And this year, his uh, special dress was watched by over 600 global leaders in business, politics, and social society. It's very very significant to have a Chinese leader here to give the world uh, a bit of a more confidence in the recovery of global cooperation, of recovery of the Chinese economy. I think the world heard China's voice in saying that China's economy surpassed expectation of 5% growth in 2023 to be 5.2% last year. And this year it will continue to grow in a stable manner. China refrained from using short-term stimulus to push forward its economic recovery last year, but rather used high-quality growth approach for sustainable growth. And Premier Li Chang mentioned uh, uh, several aspects of the Chinese economy, including its very thorough and strong resilient supply chain, manufacturing capability, China's very strong in, uh, uh, 
market that can uh, provide a strong long-term uh, demands for domestic suppliers and international suppliers. China's continuing to improve business environment for both domestic and foreign companies. He also gave five areas of, of advices or suggestions to the international community in fostering global communication and cooperation in green development, in uh, trade, in technology cooperation, and in north to south, south to south cooperation. It's a very thorough uh, speech, and he also answered questions by Klaus Schwab on China's attitude of artificial intelligence. He says that China is keen to develop artificial intelligence to improve our business activity, to improve the status of, uh, to, to improve the states of the economy. But China has a baseline of developing AI that is human should be controlling AI. Rather, AI controls human. I think that uh, is a very important message to the world that China is keen on the regulation of AI. The world will be discussing uh, Premier Li's uh, special message because I can see Premier Li's uh, uh, special address. Uh, all these uh, scripts and words have been published on the web's website, and uh, the web has been encouraging all the participants uh, to see the important messages by Premier Li. I think uh, uh, his words have been dis uh, his speech has been discussed very widely among the thousands of participants here. Right, and also in the past year, Jim Fong that China saw increasing foreign capital inflows. Uh, what signal do you think this conveys from uh, foreign companies and investors based on your discussions and interviews with all those who you know global voices during the econ World Economic Forum? Definitely, Lily. With Davos, World Economic Forum is a magical place in such a small town in a very short period of time, in five days, you could be meeting people, meeting uh, all these decision makers, crucial policy makers, business leaders, and social society leaders very intimately. You know person to person. On this very corridor of the Congress Hall, every day we see very famous people in many fields. And uh, these intimate communication really would foster uh, uh, lots of positive things. I mean, uh, if you have faith in other people and other people communicate with you, understand you, uh, many good things would happen, including investment. I think Premier Li's presence here would boost the confidence of foreign companies. Here we have uh, the executives from 1,000 global companies, and they're hearing the China's voices. They will be more confident in the China's business environment, where President, uh, where Premier Li Chiang has made it very clear that China will stick to and will open its uh, market further to the market, will stick to globalization and China's huge market potential is yet to be tapped in many areas and uh, we always welcome uh, global foreign direct investment. Last year, uh, China welcomed a lot of uh, foreign direct investment and proved resilient and this year I think that trend will continue. Wow, the work and life of young people, that's an interesting topic, and that's something that my colleagues have been busy exploring in the past year, and I have them, both of them here, Tian Yu and Olivia are in the studio back here. Uh, you guys have been busy traveling in and out of China in the past year, interviewing people. Many of them are young people. You must have explored many stories about them. They're you know, trying to find a work-life balance or trying to look for a job. Um, so tell me more about the, 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 those topics you know, from your recent interview trips, and Tian Yu, let me start with you. I see. So both both of you are, have uh, carried into the studio a little item, uh, like a little souvenir from part of your interview yeah. trips maybe, and that's definitely something that you got from your recent trip to Harbin, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> so my story starts from here, and of course you can tell that where I get this from, because 
Harbin has become. What is it? First of all, what is this? You know, show, show, show it's our a audience. Fluffy head, multifunctional. You want to try that on? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I can. Very warm. Try it. Okay. Where's my camera? <laughs> I want to face the camera. Cute. You're really help cute. Fix my hair later. Okay. <laughs> so you see the the protection. You, mm. you definitely need one of these kind of hats in Harbin because it's mm -hmm. always like negative 20 or negative 30 degrees Celsius. Mm -hmm. So this is a must. Mm. So I got this from the, the morning market in, in Harbin and uh, you know touring around the morning market is kind of like a, a lifestyle for the northeastern people because mm -hmm. you know in the morning is the, the most vibrant time for a day and it started from uh, 6 a.m. and close at 9, 9 a.m. and you can get almost everything everything it's like a grocery store you can get almost everything from there and I, w I wouldn't say like everything from there were cheap because it's supposed to be cheap it's mm -hmm. like an open-air Walmart mm -hmm. and but I want to mention here is about because you guys know that Harbin has been so hot so popular uh, in this month and uh, but the prices there hadn't been changed because of the, the you know the, the boom of the tourists mm -hmm. It was still there. The price was still there. It doesn't change at all. And this one is like uh, 35 yuan. It's okay. It's a reasonable price. And you know the the breakfast there was very very cheap. So uh, like like our colleague Cheng Xi has mentioned in his video that you know the how the tourism can can help the city to you know boost its economy. You know over the three day New Year's holiday break, over three million tourists flocked to Harbin. And brought like uh, almost six billion yuan worth of tourism income to the city, which mm -hmm. is about eight hundred million U.S. dollars. So you definitely see how you know how the, the tourism boom, how the service sector can help the city to to boost its economy. Right, and that all sounds really interesting. So you're talking about how you know the things there, the commodities being sold in in malls are cheap, but also of you know good quality. That the food, <laughs> did you enjoy the food there? Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, the fried dough and you know the tofu soup, and we we got like the fried dough was like this big, and, <laughs> and two of them, and two uh, plus two two bowls of the tofu soup was only like nine point five yuan, which was about wow. one. Point wow, one dollar and cheap. thirty cents. Mm. It's mm. very very cheap. But even at such a, a, a stable price, let's say uh, the boom of tourism still gave people jobs, more job opportunities, yeah. and also gave uh, the tourists, the young people, more fun. You know, yeah, more yeah. ways to enjoy their life. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I remember the local taxi driver when we landed in Harbin and uh, we we took a taxi, and the taxi mm -hmm. driver told us. We definitely welcome people like you. We definitely welcome the tourists to come to Harbin because you were spending here. You were yes. spending money here. And you know, you stay in a hotel, you eat out, and you know, and you, you took my taxi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you bring money to our city. Of course, we welcome you. Yeah, yeah, th that's interesting. Uh, if we have time later on, I'm going to get back to you. But uh, let me go to Chani first. I'm curious about a coffee mug. Yeah. Why? Okay, this is quite interesting. So, like, as most reporters do, as Tianyu did, I actually traveled a lot last year, too. Um, I traveled, actually, from the very north of China, like you did recently, to the very south of it. And, of course, I've talked to lots of people. I mean, economists, global CEOs of Fortune, Global 500, startup owners, ordinary people. So, there were definitely a lot of impressive, you know, stories and employees. I mean, yeah, so this coffee cup, can you guess why I'm bringing it here? It actually has something to do with my story. 
you a coffee lover? Uh, not really. I want to give you a guess to, you know, guess it, but you got it wrong. Anyways, so um, at the beginning of last year, it was in January, I actually went to Guangzhou for work, and I visited this really cute and special cafe. The name was Koodle. Um, I think we may have pictures and videos later on the screen. We can take a look. And um, I'm not sure if you've, you've heard of Koodle. Have you, Lily? No, have no you? not really. No. Okay, it's not just the name of a cafe. It's actually the main character's name of one of my favorite Japanese animations. It's quite oh. popular. <laughs> and that's why I was like super attracted by it. And then I decided to go in, take a look, have a chat with the manager. And then I ended up interviewing him. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this is um, when the story of the cafe started. So basically, this cafe started in 2019, which, you know, we all know it was quite a tough time for like mm -hmm. all coffee mm -hmm. um, shop owners where like its competitors to even survive. But Kudo has made it opening seven coffee shops in that three years from mm -hmm. the end of 2019 to the start of 2022. And in 2023, they have actually increased their number of shops to 12. It was amazing, wasn't it? And actually, the, the secret, I guess the secret is definitely their coffee. So I actually tried their best-selling coffee. It was called Tofu Latte. I really wish I had brought it here, guys, but I haven't. So it was actually really good. And um, it's quite popular, too. You know, they can sell around, like, 200 cups each day. And sometimes, around, like, really busy times, um, the turnover can actually reach, like... If I'm not wrong, it's like 26,000 mm -hmm. RMB with both like having and takeaway orders. Not bad at all. Not mm -hmm. bad. It was really good. So, you know, no wonder the shop became like very popular, gained lots of attention, and it has even become the top rated place on some like review and evaluation apps. And basically, the manager told me that they had bigger and ambitious plans to expand their stores. And their plan was to open 20 shops first in Shenzhen, in Guangdong province, and then to expand them, like, you know, maybe not countrywide, but even worldwide. And you know what's interesting and quite surprising was, I actually went to Guangzhou mm -hmm. again last summer, you know, because, like, the first visit was in winter, right? Mm -hmm. And I went back in summer. And they had already opened their first shop in Shanghai mm -hmm. just a few months later, you know, after my last visit. And that expansion. Was, that was really surprising. And the manager told me it was because, like, the customers were being super supportive and they actually accepted lots of, you know, funds, capital from China, from abroad. So I was just really happy for them. And, yeah, I was quite so impressed it, by that story, too. Yeah, this really is a lifestyle of the young people that's mm. actually boosting jobs, mm. you know, you know when you open like up more shops. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like they're already employing like scores of young people there exactly. in, in the coffee cafe chain already. Mm. Well, great stuff. Thank you so much for sharing with us and uh, keep warm with that hat and keep, uh, you know, enjoy your coffee. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you so much. That was Thanks my colleague, uh, Wang Tianyu and Olivier He sharing, sharing with us their stories, interviewing uh, people across China in the year 2023. And with that, we're wrapping up this edition of Global Business here on CDTN.